Uh, we love to open up God's Word, so just go ahead and raise your hand, and if there's anybody that needs one, great. If not, then we'll just go on. Turn with me first uh, to the book of, uh, of Malachi. It is the last uh, book of the Bible, of the Old Testament, and uh, we're going to Malachi 3. So if you want to find Matthew and go back one book, you're into Malachi. That gives you an idea of where that's located. Malachi 3. Okay, are we ready? Malachi 3, we're going to read the first five verses says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant who you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offering in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Thus ends the reading of the Old Testament, and then go with me to 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter. And we're just going to be read uh, two verses there, the 13th and 14th verse. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 and 14. It says these words, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything. In love. Thus ends the reading of God's word. That ver- those two verses in uh, different versions of God's word uh, just are just interesting. Um, what I've read was the, um, the NIT. The NLT says, be on your guard. Stand true to what you believe. Be courageous. Be strong in everything you must be done with love. God's word says, be alert, be firm in the Christian faith, be courageous and strong, do everything with love. The message says, keep your eyes open, hold tight to your convictions, give it all you got, be resolute, and love without stopping. The ESV says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all you do be done in love. And then the King James says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, 
quit you like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. Different versions of God's word, but the same spirit, the same reality. Now, I may just like on, on Mother's Day, talking specifically to moms, but, um, and, and I ask the men not to step aside and not to hear God's word. I say that the same thing to you women. Even though there may be a lot of references to men this morning, don't let the word of God um, be missed. Hear it in your own heart and be challenged in your own life uh, to, to obey God's word. So God created man first. He created in his image and his likeness. He formed the first man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed. Life into him as he created. No other creature uh, was treated the same way. There is no other creature in the universe like man and woman, created in the image of God and in his likeness. Men, it's time to act like men. Now, I'm not asking you to go out and to rock climb like some of you did this weekend or go out and, and, uh, and parachute out of a plane or do manly things, eat dirt, whatever. I'm asking you to be like men, biblical men, men that your lives are so driven by the Spirit of God that you don't look to the right or the left, but you hear a voice calling behind you, this is the way, walk in it. We need men like that in our world again. There was a group of men that were um, asked in a cafe up north uh, this question, what is it to act like men? What is that like? And these were gruff old boys from the the backwoods, uh, big old bushy beards. I think they'd come in on their motorcycles. and, uh, And so they started laughing and said, yeah, yeah, okay. One man said this, doing what you say you're going to do. Doing what you say you're going to do. Second man said, not doing anything under the table when you make a deal. Do not live a secret life. A third man said, keeping your word. I said it, I meant it. Another man said, not making excuses. Don't blame others for the decisions you make. Didn't work for Adam, it's not going to work for us. Fifthly, taking responsibility for your own actions. Taking responsibility. I heard someone once paint a picture over what a man is not, and I love it. Now, if I can share it with you. Men are not to act like women says the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. Yeah, that has a whole new meaning today, doesn't it? That has a whole new meaning today. I didn't even think about that, but yes. Men were created to build. We were given strength of our chest to build and to work hard, to protect and to lift others up. Women were created to care and to nurture and to build through healthy emotion, a beautiful touch that reached the whole world. Men are called to be warriors, protectors, to protect and to serve, as the first responders motto says. 
And we are to use our strength for the glory of God. Men are not to act like animals. 1 Corinthians 15, 39 says, Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another. Birds have another and fish another. The dominant brutalization of women and children in our society, uh, some, I think, in response to false teaching in our world, is revealing this animalization of humanity. Headship has never been about dominion. It is always about servant leadership. As Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, so we as men are called to lay down our life for others. That is men acting like men. Men are not to act like boys. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put ways of childhood behind me. A child learns and grows through games. They learn and grow through the beautiful distractions of the world around them, nature, and they're drawn to observe things. They grow up in kind of a fantasy of the future and daydreaming about what life could be. But when a man who does these things becomes a man who is worthless, lazy, and lives a life with no direction, you're not called to be boys. You're called to be men. And finally, men are not called to be superheroes. Superheroes are people who need no one else. They will not open up their hearts to others because they don't need others. They are proud, hard-hearted men who isolate themselves. James 3, 2 says this, We all stumble in many ways, and so we need each other. We need each other to walk with each other. And so God is calling a family uh, not of superheroes, but of men who are willing to pave the way by being honest and open and real with each other. Because in that way, they truly um, show the world. The two passages I shared with you today um, are really passages that are foundational for acting like men. The first one um, is a scripture of conviction. A scripture of conviction from Malachi. The second one is a, is, a, is a scripture of a life patterned after following the Holy Spirit. And so as we um, allow the Old Testament uh, prophet to paint us a picture, what he comes out with this fact is that this opens up talking about the fact that there's one that is going to open up the way. He's talking about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist opened up the way to the Messiah coming. And so the one who prepares the way is coming. And then he talks about the Messiah who's coming. And that the Messiah is going to be a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. The picture of burning away the dross of sin by bringing it to the surface and then scrubbing away the filth with the word of God. Why? Why is this picture being drawn here? Because earlier in Malachi... The priests had become lazy. The people worshiping God had come to a place of complacency in which they were no longer seeing it worthy of worshiping God to the point, to the point that, that the Spirit said out loud through the prophet, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that it would not light useless fires on my altars. 
We're in an era like this now. We are in an era like this now. Many have come to the place of not seeing the worthiness of worshiping Jesus Christ. With all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our souls, with all our beings, not watching the way other people live, but keeping our eyes focused on Jesus like Peter needed to, and walking through these waves of this, of this culture, and not looking to the right or left, keeping our eyes focused on him so that we can keep walking. Church doors have closed because of this. I am telling you, you get to hear this for a few minutes. I've been wrestling with this all week and saying, Lord, where are the, where are the places of complacency in my own life? How have I counted you wor- worthless of worshiping in my life? People of God, we have to ask those questions honestly of our hearts because we live in an era and in a culture that no longer regards God as worthy of this time. But it puts all kinds of distractions in front of us. We've got our phones in front of us. We've got all kinds of media that's in front of us that keeps, us, keeps talking to us about keep your eyes off of him and keep it on this. This is more important. And it's a lie. It's a lie. So let Malachi, let John the Baptist scream again. He's coming. Let the Messiah speak to you. But this was the interesting thing about Malachi to me that really, really struck me and said, this has, got to, this has got to be combined with this message today. What is one of the main reasons why the Messiah came? Says it. In verse 3 through 4, it says, He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men, listen to me, men, who will bring offerings in righteousness, offerings acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. Jesus came to discover men. High priests, high priests of their homes, high priests of their work, high priests of every aspect of their life, that men will stand up and act like men wherever they are. How does he do this? John the Baptist revealed this to us. First of all was the action of discovery. Matthew 3, 11b says this, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit comes into a believer's life by believing on Jesus himself. If you have not done that, that's your first act. And it says in Romans 8, 9 that if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. They are equated. Spirit of God receiving Jesus Christ Chapter in verse 12 of that verse talks about the fact that his winnowing fork is in the hand of Jesus, separating the wheat to the barn and the chaff he's burning up. Spirit of God coming with fire. Some of you experienced this, some of you are walking through it, and he's putting your sin right up in front of you and saying, 
All right, you and me, let's go to the mat. Let's get this. The purpose in your life. I got a purpose for you. All right, let's go to the mat. I got a direction for you. My spirit is speaking to you. Not to destroy, not to discredit, but speaking to you because I need men to stand up and act like men. But the other, the other thing is this, and, and, and this is where the, the, the discovery comes into. It's the, the, the purpose of discovery, and that is in Luke 2, 35, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. It always interests me that when I talk to a man, and he goes, man, I, I know what I'm doing. I just feel like I'm worthless. I just, I sin, and I, I, I seem to do it again and again, and it's just like, it's like I can't get away from it. Wait a minute. Do you know that there are men that are sinning, don't care? They don't care. They don't care at all. They love it. Ravaging women, doing whatever, playing games their whole life, and, and, and no purpose outside of that. Men are doing that all the time. God's not destroying you with allowing what, to, what you see in you. He's, he is encouraging you to say, I see it, you see it, let's go get, take care of it. Let's take care of it. We can do this together, but you've got to trust me, and you've got to walk through it. There's a purpose there, that the, hearts, that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Think back of what Malachi said. He said that he said he would purify the Levites. Then the Lord would have men that will bring offerings of righteousness. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. You don't have to get this right. He got it right. In the midst of seeing your wrongness, walk in his rightness and watch him work so that you overcome the wrongness and walk into his rightness. That's what he desires for you. That's why he's showing it to you. That's why. That's the purpose of discovery. He allows us to see ourselves for who we really are and drives us to total dependency on the power of God to live out this Christian life. You can't get it right in yourself. You get it right in him. Yes, you can. Men of... Be of courage. Stand up in Jesus and watch him lead. I had a friend of mine recently. It's just, you know, it's amazing to me how God works. He is just, he's on the move. Do you believe he's on the move? Do you believe he's on the move? I do too. I believe that with all my heart. I am seeing him. Do Were you guys here, here last week and heard a little teenager's prayer? Blew me away. The theology of that prayer just was biblical across the board. Not be, and this is it, not necessarily because she's opened this book for 30 years and read it, but because in a moment, the Holy Spirit revealed to her heart the truth, and boom, it's right there because it's all about Jesus. And so, I love that. He's on the move, and I, I, I don't want to stop him. I don't want to get in the way of him. I had a friend of mine who was a missionary in Croatia, and his wife got sick, and uh, so a couple of years they came back home because she just was so sick. She was going to doctors and still not resolved totally yet. But he decided that what he'd do, because he's got to support his family, is he'd go uh, work for a construction company. 
And so he's worked for them for the past couple of years. We've talked a few times through that time, and uh, he really had very little direction about the future, and so he's been a bit confused. Well, his boss, about two weeks ago, three, now three weeks ago now, came up to him and said, listen, I love you, and I'm glad you, you, you've been working for me for the past couple of years, but both of us know you're called by God to be in ministry. So I guess I, I, he said, you need to do something about that, and I'm going to help you. You have four weeks with me, and then you're done, and you need to find a job, and you need to do for the Lord. He's on the move. He's on the move. And then, you know, you look at that and you say, oh, that's kind of negative. No, it's not. That was the Spirit of God saying, listen, dude, you're in the wrong place. Or you're in a place that's not necessarily wrong, but you need to change place now. And my friend's going to find it. I believe that with all my heart. And so the Spirit of the Messiah is out to discover men. The action is that he's baptizing you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I pray that right now in your chest, there's a fire burning. And he's also doing it as a purpose of discovery and, and bringing your thoughts forward. Maybe some of you right now have some things in your mind that he has brought forward in your heart that you need to deal with, with him. Go take care of it. Take care of it now. Scripture of Conviction. John the Baptist paved the way. The Messiah came, Jesus Christ, Lord of Lord, King of Kings. He came for you. He came for you to fill you with the Spirit, to allow your thoughts of your hearts to be known so that you could live into the righteousness of him. You're still listening with me, women, aren't you? Okay, not just for men. I'm talking to men. I'm looking at them in the face. But I hope you're sitting on the side going, yep, yep, my boyfriend needs to hear this. Anyways, um, no, no, for yourself. So the spirit, uh, uh, the scripture of conviction then leads us to the, the scripture of response. The scripture of response. Listen, Paul has been instructing uh, the Corinthian church how to live in a world of evil. He has been instructing them on the importance of the cross, Christ crucified. That's what he brought to them. He's instructing them on the wisdom of the Spirit and how to, how to be dependent on that, that it's not human wisdom. It's not human logic that leads. It is the wisdom of God, even when it seems illogical in the world. Stay on the wisdom of God. He has been talking to them how to deal with sexual immorality, disunity, and the importance of using spiritual gifts within the family so that you can walk together and be one as a family. He's talking to them about how to live in the most excellent way. To live in love. Not mushy love like the world gives, but the, the, the strong, refining, purifying, true love of God. And how to conduct worship and the importance of the resurrection, which is the 15th chapter. And from that then, he, his teaching moves, and it's been, up to this point, it's been mostly how not to do it. How not to do it. And, and warnings against what's been happening. But now, the Holy Spirit turns Paul's eyes on men. The high priests of the church, 
And he turns a mostly negative into five imperative commands that are positive. He is, this is like a commander standing up in front of you men and saying, all right, all right. You get the fact that there's been some things happening, and it's not been great, and it's been, it's been working against the family. But I'm telling you what, now, it's time to stand up, and here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. Walking in his word and leading your family to him. First phrase in the, uh, uh, in the 13th chapter is, be on your guard. Excuse me, 16th chapter, 13th verse. That's what I'm hoping I said, but I may not have. Be on your guard. It means to be alert, to be watchful, to be awake, to be vigilant, vigilant, and to be alive. People of God, there's no time in history that this is so important than right now. A brother of mine uh, reminded me it's so easy for us to keep our focus on all the things that are going wrong in the world. But I think we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and become part of the solution of the wrong by living our life out. By living our life out. So be on guard. What do I need to be on guard for? First of all, be on guard for Satan. 1 Peter 5 says that he is a roaming lion looking for anyone that he can devour. He is so arrogant today that he's even reaching in the church. He is. And we need to be on guard. We need to be vigilant. We need to be watchful. We need to be on our guard because he is roaming around. I remember years ago hearing on Dobson about an um, African chief who um, had been converted to Christianity, and he came to America. And, um, and as he walked around America, he spoke at different places, and he was just talking about the conversion and about how the Holy Spirit had worked in his tribe. And he said, at one of his speakings, he said, he said, listen, people, he said, before the Christians came, we could literally see the demonic activity they would come into our tribe. They would hassle us. They would come out of the woods. We, we could vis- visually see them. He said, then when the Christians came, they disappeared. Because those in Jesus Christ are stronger than those in this world. But he said, I'm starting to see those same spirits in America. Gentlemen, we've got to be on our guard against Satan. We've got to be on our guard against temptation. Mark 14, 38 says, Watch and pray that you may not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is, of course, of the disciples as they were supposed to watch and pray with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. People of God, we need to... Mark and Mary are starting a prayer ministry Uh, in this church. They're going to help us become people who guard against temptation by being watchful, by by praying so that we don't fall into temptation. Be a part of it. Be a part of it. Third, on guard against apathy and indifference. 
In Revelation, uh, to the church in the third chapter, first verse, it says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what's remain that is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. When apathy comes in, we don't complete the tasks God has for us. We get lazy in them. Like in Malachi, they stopped doing the sacrifices. In fact, what preceded that was the fact that they started bringing animals with defects. Because you know what? This, this one's better tasting than this one. I'll give this one to the Lord, and I won't give this one. Apathy. We have to be people who stand up and be on, on guard against that. The fourth one, be on guard for false teachers. Second Peter 2.1 says that if there were false teachers in, in the Old Testament, there will be false teachers in the New Testament, and now. And there are. What does a false teacher look like? It's a person that might point to Jesus, but their own life is not affected by Jesus. They continue to live in their sin without caring, without moving, they don't call it out. That is at least one way to look at a false teacher. Our, is our life moved so much by God that we're willing to be open and vulnerable and submitted before God? Not always getting it right, but we're willing to be open and call it out for what it is and be honest before God. So on guard against Satan's attack, on guard against temptation, on guard against apathy and indifference, on guard against false teachers. And then finally, two positive things, to watch and pray. Ephesians 6 says this, be alert and always keep on praying. People of God, we need to always keep praying. You don't have the strength to overcome what you have in your life. You don't have the strength to keep your life even focused on Jesus. You, you're going to fall asleep. But if you stay on your knees, if you keep talking to him and crying out to him, it'll keep you awake. It'll keep you awake. And also this, I think, is so important. Be watchful for the Lord's return. Matthew 24, 42 says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. He could come right now in this service. Let me ask you this question. If he came right now, at this moment, are you ready? Have you come to a place in which you have seen the Lord for who he is? That he came and lived on this earth and went to the cross, and he took your sin to the cross. How do I know that I know that? Because I'm willing to call my sin out for what it is. Are you keeping your sin in secret or you don't care about it? You don't care about him. Because his purpose on that cross was to hang on there and to carry your sin to that cross. To bring it to the grave so that it dies. Dies why? You don't have to be under its control anymore. No, 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 no. That thing you say, I can't stop. Yes, you can. In him, you can stop it. And then he arose again from the grave to give you new life. Not, not a better person. Not hopefully I get this all together. Not let me put ten things on the thing so that I can be a better person. But a different person. I'm not the same. I am brand new. And you know what that is? That's a picture of heaven. Everything is new in heaven. 
There's nothing old. Daryl wants to borrow a broom from me. He says, can I borrow your old broom? I don't have an old broom. I have a new one. Everything is new in heaven. Obviously, analogy. I don't know if we have brooms in heaven. But people of God, it's not just trying to get it right. Jesus is right. And if you're not ready, don't leave here today. Because he may come back. And he may come back in a way that you walk out of here and are killed with a, in a car accident. We never know. And so in the scripture of conviction, always look for his coming. So be on your guard. Second, stand firm in the faith. Follow Jesus and hold on to the truth. Today, people claim to believe in God, but they live in open sin against God's word. Open sin against God's word. I'm sorry. It is the first entrance. The first movement of the Spirit of God is the conviction of your sin. It is. Ephesians, excuse me, um, when, when Paul talked to Timothy, he said these words, watch your life and doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Faith is, is defined as literally following Jesus when others are following other gods. Standing firm is the action of living each day under the umbrella of truth instead of the lies of the world. It is. What truth is God convicting you of that you have pushed aside and said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to deal with that yet. I'm not ready to go there yet. That's not standing firm in the faith. Standing firm in the faith is allowing God's word to lead you, to bring you to the point of confession and repentance, to bring you to the point of saying my life is yours, to bring you to the point of living it out and sharing the good news with other people. We had a picnic at the park, and I was not there. I had a, a granddaughter that uh, had an open house, and, uh, and we had this picnic, and uh, Chuck loves going to the picnics. But you know why Chuck loves to go to the picnics? Because he knows there's other people who are unbelievers that are at the park. And so this boy goes out, and he tells people about Jesus. And he comes, boom, that's his testimony. Picnic was great, but telling people about Jesus was even greater yet. And so stand firm in the faith. Third, be courageous. This is a life that is demonstrated by a mature courage, which is defined by Ephesians in 4th chapter 15th verse, speaking the truth in love. We grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. It is, it is blooming where you're planted. It is uh, not seeking perfection in others that you would not seek in yourself. It is to build up a family that receives, um, that receives all kinds. We receive each other. It is, it is the ability to go into this world with the cor courageous word of God. I, was, um, I watched a YouTube um, video in which a preschool had a drag queen that was teaching children 
held in the arms by mothers about this life of drag queen. And a pastor walked in and began preaching God's word. You know what I was amazed by? I was amazed by how many mothers came up holding their babies going, you're teaching my child hatred. And he said, now, I'm teaching them love. Because living a life not knowing who you are, that's true lostness. That's true lostness. Anybody who's living their life and does not know who they are in Jesus Christ is lost. I'm not just specifically focusing on one It could be any of us in this room. Do you really know who you are in Jesus Christ? Because if you don't, who you are is leading every day of your life. And you can look at in your mind's eye and say, where am I going? What am I doing? What am I doing with my days? What am I doing with my life? Because that is what I believe. And if it's in Jesus, then it is um, you're in the right place. But it's going to take courage, first courage to overcome the old you. Second, the courage to stand up in a culture that wants to cancel you and to quiet you and bully you into believing their ideology. And it's going to take courage. So be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith, be courageous, act like men, and be strong. Inner strength given by the Word and the Spirit. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. In my own life, I've experienced this, but it's one of the, one of the things that, um, that I often hear from men. That often hear this, you know, I want to do what God wants me to do. But the pressure is just so strong. It just seems to draw me in. Anybody here ever do any uh, scuba diving? Okay. Um, you realize that when you're in scuba diving that you learn, um, and I think, it, I think the numbers are, I could be wrong, but like, 30, 60, 90, there is certain set of feet that you go under the water that the pressure builds up, and if I'm correct in this, the carbon dioxide can build up, and what's that? Okay, 33, thank you, brother, every 33 feet, so that if you go down over 33 feet, you've got to come up to a certain depth, and you've got to stay there for a certain amount of time so that your body can equalize with the pressure, okay? And then you can go back up to the surface. Now, if you don't do that, if you, yeah, go ahead. What, you get the bends, don't you? Yeah, Mike, you're right. You get the bends. And, uh, and, and minimally, you're in pain. Maximally, you could die. The pressure could be so much that, it, that, it, that you could die from it, Okay? But guess what? Not so with a submarine. Submarine can dive to any depth and come back up immediately. Why? Because the cabin's pressurized. Listen to me. Listen to me. Don't miss this. The pressure of the cabin of the submarine is greater than the pressure 
of the water around it. Are you getting me? Don't miss this. The pressure of the cabin of the submarine is stronger than the pressure of the water around it. Anybody getting what I'm saying? We have to live this life that an inner pressure of Jesus Christ living in me is stronger than whatever I'm facing on this earth. If it isn't, I'll, give the, I'll get the bends and die to sin. But if the pressure of Jesus Christ in you is greater than all the pressure of this culture, you can dive to any depth and come right back up again. Amen. People of God, we need to understand that. So be strong. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We need to spend so much time with Jesus. Especially when we're tempted. Especially when culture comes in. We need to be diving in with him. Because he promises that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He promises me that. Prove him right. Live in such a way that your life is so connected to Jesus Christ that nothing, not nothing, gets in the way. And then finally, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong and do everything in love. Listen, this, oh, when I was studying this, it's like this is the most fascinating thing. Isn't love the very thing you've wanted your whole life? Isn't love why you've gone and done things you knew you were wrong in doing? But it was, is that because we serve a God of, and he created us? Yeah! Makes sense, doesn't it? Yes! And yet it's the very thing that we sometimes hold in reserve we sometimes say, you know, I, I just, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I'm not going to let you in. I'm not going to let you hear what's going on. I, no, I, you hold people in reserve as though the reserve of love is something we've created. And that's a lie. We did not create love. We did not even create our ability to love. It says in the Bible, in fact, you stole my thunder with that verse, dude. What's up with that? What, what, what is like there a spirit of connection here? Stop it. We love first because he loved us. There is no love without Jesus Christ. No, no you, you hear this. None. Stop it. I don't care what you're doing. There's none. Because he is the creator of love. He is love. It's the very fabric of his being. He created us to love. And when we are in him, we experience love. When we're outside of him, we experience lust. Period. Period. That's why Peter says in the fourth verse of the eighth or the fourth chapter of the eighth verse, um, one Peter, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You understand that the Ten Commandments is not about do do do, but it's about love. I will have no other gods before me. Why? Because love is loyal. Anybody experience disloyal love? <laughs> you don't, if, 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 you're, if you didn't agree with that, you're, you're like in a fantasy world. We see it all the time. 
and it's increased. Love is loyal. Right. So, as we bring this time to a conclusion, people of God, I pray that the Lord has convicted your heart. John the Baptist has already come. The Messiah has come. He's given his life for us. He came, listen to me, to discover men. He came for you. He wants his Holy Spirit to burn in your heart like a fire. He wants your thoughts to become open, not to destroy you, but to, to allow your thoughts to align with his for you to, to not live in secret, but to live open before him. And he calls you, he calls you to be men that are on your guard, standing firm in the faith, courageous, be, act like men, be strong, and do everything in love. He's calling you. Can you hear his voice? Don't. Miss it. I pray, women, you've been listening to. Because he loves women. He loves you. 